Good morning, brothers and sisters. This morning, uh, the word I've got is kind of a serious word, um, just like those two words <laughs> that we just heard. But, but like them, it's a word of love from our Father. And uh, so as we speak, th- uh, as we listen this morning, um, God, is, God is wanting to make us stronger. God is wanting to draw us closer to him. God is wanting to prepare us for his coming that Warren just prophesied about. And um, so let's, let's just start out with prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us so much, that you are a good father. And uh, we pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts and apply your word to our lives. Give us understanding. Help us to believe it and help us to obey it. And thank you for your grace. That's what enables us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, this uh, message is called Be Careful, Eyes and Mind. And uh, you guys know there's a war going on out here, and we're part of it, right? Um, and what I'm talking about actually is a war on our campus against all the vines that are growing up, choking our trees and making the campus look unsightly. Um, there's another war too I'll talk about later. Um, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, the day before Easter, I got myself involved in that war. In fact, I'm giving a plug this morning. Uh, next, next Saturday is campus work day. And priority job is to uh, save our trees. So bring your handheld clippers, wear, uh, wear your long sleeves and uh, long pants, um, because they're these things, the vinca vines, that are killing our trees. And that'll be, that'll be the first job to take care of. But anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I, I got involved in, in that. The vines were grown over the gate. and. Uh, so, so I went out there um, to pull down vines, cut them off, drag them into the woods, and um, you know they were they were so thick they were there was a thicker conglomeration of vines than like the electric wires at our first apartment in China. It was that thi- it was that much of a mess, um, and. Uh, so I got started, you know, you get into a job like that, you see you're making progress, you get excited. And, uh, and as, as I did that, um, uh, Dwayne Smith, the guy that, that cuts the alfalfa field up here, he drove by in his truck and he stopped and he said, hey, watch out for poison oak, it's that time of year, watch out. And I was like, I got this, I, I know what it looks like, I haven't seen any, I'll be fine. And... Uh, and so I was out there with shorts and short sleeves. But, you know, I, I, I've been in the woods before. I know what that stuff looks like. And, um, and then the next day, Rich called me. He's like, yeah, um, I know you were working on that. I just wanted to let you know I, I've seen poison ivy vines in there before. And actually, I'm not sure what I was supposed to do 24 hours later. But... Um, I told Rich, no, I'm going to be fine. I don't, I don't really get poison ivy. I've never had a bad case of it before. 
Uh, famous last words, right? Next morning I woke up, I was not fine. I was itching all from my knees down to my ankles. It was all red, my forearms. Uh, I was not immune to the poison ivy and the poison oak, whatever was there. Um, I've been it bumpy and itchy ever since. I think it's getting better now. But, uh, you know, I was not careful. I was a little overconfident, and I paid for it. And, um, you know, poison ivy is dangerous to the skin. Uh, whether you're confident or not, whether you've reacted to it before or not, it doesn't matter. You've got to be aware of it and take precautions to avoid it when you're going to be working in that stuff. So, um, there's, there's a little, there's an old Sunday school song. Have you guys ever heard this one before? I think you have. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For your father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's kind of a childish melody, right? But its message is a dead serious one. Amen? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, uh, I've thought, well, what does that mean, the eye is the lamp of the body? I used to think, you know, kind of like the headlights on a car. On the grill, it kind of looks like a face, you know, that the, the lights shine out. But that's, that's the wrong image, right? Uh, eyes take light into the body, right? And shine inside the body and the heart and the mind. And um, Jesus is talking about what we look at, what we take into ourselves with our eyes. It, are those things good and holy and pure and true? Then we will be full of light. Do we look on sinful things? Then we're filling ourselves with darkness. And that's destructive. Sorry, if you see me scratch, you probably know why. <laughs> um, you know, we've been talking about marriage. Well, at least a month ago we were talking about marriage, but we've, we've been preaching about marriage. And, um, you know, if we're going to talk about marriage in this day and age, we need to address the issue of pornography and uh, of lo lustful and adulterous thinking. Um, with the internet, Pornographic material is much more easily accessible than ever. And it's become more destructive in Christian households than ever before. Somebody, I don't know if this statistic is true, but somebody said that something like 70% of Christian men look at pornography. I'm not sure if that's a true statistic or not. But I know that it's, it's really destructive in our day and age. Um, this may be a message that's more for men, but it, it also applies to women too. And it's certainly not just for married people. It's not for just for young people or old people. It's for all of us. Um, you know, any, anyone who has access to TV, to movies, to the internet, to the grocery aisle, to 
the library, even just walking around in normal everyday life, needs to be aware. Really, anyone with a brain is susceptible. How many of you have a brain? Not many people are raising their hands this morning. Um, not to say that this temptation is a new one. It's as old as sinful hum humanity, right? Because jo in the book of Job, Job said this. People think that Job may be the oldest book in the Bible. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. But just like my attitude about my recent uh, outdoor work, we're often prone to think that these kind of sights, these forms of entertainment, or our wandering thoughts are harmless. God sends us warnings, but we shake them off. We say, oh, I'll be okay. We convince ourselves to believe things that things are okay when they're not. We use certain rationales. For example, you might say, that's normal society. We have to live in the world, right? Well, what does the Bible say? Be in the world, but not of the world. Right? Another way of thinking might be, if I'm aware that it's wrong, I won't let it hurt me. Well, okay, but I don't think you have that kind of ability. Uh, you're, you're underestimating the problem. Someone might say, God is a gracious God. He understands I'm not perfect. Well, of course that's true. That's why he died on the cross for you, right? But um, he is holy. He wants to protect you. And because of that, Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> so do we value? Do we take seriously what he took seriously? Or we might say, it's not bad if I'm just thinking about it and not actually doing it. You know, we think because it's contained in our mind, it doesn't affect anybody. And uh, Jesus has had different words to say about that. We think, if, if you don't understand the ways of the world, you'll be naive and vulnerable to them. <laughs> Kathy had classmates at COS that told her that said they were going to find her one day lying in the gutter because she wouldn't get involved in stuff um, that, that they, want, they didn't like it, that she wasn't getting involved in. Well, that's kind of like the fly thinking he needs to test out the spider's web just so he can be prepared in case he ever runs into it. You know, <laughs> it's a trap. Someone might say something like this. It's just a romance book. It's even by a Christian publisher. And what I'm saying here is that temptations can be emotional. It's not all just physical. In fact, um, for women, it might be that way more so than, than for men. We all, we're all different and we face diff different kinds of temptations to lust. Um... You know, Jesus didn't view sin like that. Here's what he had to say, Matthew 5, 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. 
That's pretty serious. Eyes are valuable, right? It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Did you notice he said that twice? He, he's pretty serious about the effect of sin, his warning against sin. Now, before we get into this too much, uh, regarding temp temptations and tempting thoughts, Martin Luther uh, said something insightful about this. He said, you can't prevent the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And actually, we can see how he did that. He wore that big hat. I was wondering why he always has that hat on in the picture. Um, but what, he, what he's saying is, you know, there are times that we're in, innocently going to bump into things or see things, and there is a devil who will actually put thoughts into our mind and will encounter them in our mind. I'm not saying that that's sin. That's called temptation. But how, how are we going to respond? I'm freezing up here if it makes any difference. <laughs> um, blowing on me. How, how, how do we respond to that? For example, um, February we were up in Indiana. I was uh, in the checkout lane of Dollar General and uh, just sweeping my eyes across. There's a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. I don't know what swimsuits have to do with sports. It's a slow month for sports in February, I guess. But I'm like, oh, okay, at that point, that sh it's not shame on me, it's shame on Sports Illustrated, shame on Dollar General for putting it there. But um, m my choice is, uh, am I going to look back at it? Or <laughs> am I going to move on and say, God, help me, help anybody else that looks at that? You know, um, it's, it's how we respond to it, okay? Um, Here's what James wrote. Submit, and we just heard this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That implies the devil is going to come at you with temptations, any kind of temptations, including this kind. And what we need to do is to submit to God, resist him, and he's going to flee away. That temptation is not going to keep coming at you forever if you resist it. it you, you know, the way the internet works is like, once in a while, if you're online, you may get something sent to your email or something that's, that's like a, a pornographic something site. Um, it, the way the internet works, if you click on it, whatever you click on, they're going to send you more and more of, right? Like, I was clicking on Kohl's.com, and all of a sudden I get all these advertisements from Kohl's flooding my, my phone a few months ago. Uh, well, you know, because the internet knows what you're interested in. It keeps track of everything. And so the devil's like that, too. Uh, he keeps a personal file on you. And, it, you know, as long as we resist him, he, he's eventually going to flee. He's not going to be sending the same stuff at us.
You know what I mean? Um, the wisdom of Proverbs explains the far-reaching effects of what we're talking about. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, that's kind of a, a strong statement. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So it's talking about what we let into our heart, what we think about, what we dwell on. We need to guard that above all else. Everything you do flows from it. It's going to affect your life. There's a famous saying uh, that teaches us wisdom. Not sure exactly where it comes from. Uh, it's attributed to Lao Tzu, who started Taoism in China. It's attributed to Mahatma Gandhi, Margaret Thatcher. And it's, it's the stuff that classroom posters are made of. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character, who you are. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. You know, what, it, what it's saying is, uh, your destiny, that's at the bottom, at the top, it just starts, starts with a thought. And it's, it's emphasizing the importance. Oh, if I just think about it this one time, it'll be okay. Oh, if I just look at it this one time, it'll be okay. Oh, if I just cross the boundary I know I ought not to cross this one time, it's just one time, it'll be okay. No. Um, things have a tendency to snowball. Things have a tendency to get out of hand. Um, and so we need uh, wrong choices may appear to be insignificant they, they're not really um, about 10 years ago uh, Casting Crowns wrote a song based on the Be Careful Little Eyes song uh, at the time it made, it made a profound impact on me because of some temptations I was struggling with at the time you guys probably know it. I, I, I didn't bring it to play for you this morning. But they sing, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go. It's... It's just really serious. It's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. Thoughts invade, choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And, uh, You've probably, a lot of you have heard that song. Um, it's true. It's, it kind of shows us the seriousness of what we're talking about here. And, um, you know, the fact is this. Sin is destructive. For any one of us to be careless about what we view, what we think about, can lead us into a trap that could prove very harmful and costly to us, 
to us and to the people around us that we love and maybe to people in the future that we haven't even met. So it's a warning from God. How can we vigilantly guard what our eyes see and our minds think? Well, I think first step, the Bible talks about the, a lot about the fear of the Lord. We need to develop the fear of the Lord in our lives. We need to practice our awareness of his presence. Um, you know, it's good to understand that God, God is omniscient. God sees everything. He knows everything. That's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the other thing is that God is a good father. Uh, we know that he loves us, right? But if a, a good father, his children will kind of fear him. Not fear being with him, but fear disobeying him. Fear going against him. And really what we fear is we fear going through life and after life without him. We don't want to reject him. But, you know, he's a good father. He will discipline. How many of you have ever been disciplined by the Lord? The Bible says if, you, if you're not disciplined by him, you're not his child. He will discipline us, and that's good for us. Um, but <laughs> it's not pleasant. So um, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 to 12 says this. It's talking about the Old Testament. Okay, there are some people that say, oh, the Old Testament law, that's not... That's not for us today. We live under grace. Well, that's, that's not what Paul is saying here. He's talking about the children of Israel and all the disobedience and punishments that they went through in the wilderness and as they went into the promised land. He says, Now these things occurred as example to keep us from setting our hearts. And it's not even talking about actions. It's talking about setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did. See what it says in the Old Testament? They were testing Christ with their behavior. And were killed by snakes. How many of you like snakes? And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. That'll keep you from complaining, right? Think about that destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. That means Jesus has died on the cross and rose again and now we're living in his grace. But it's still, these things are warnings for us. If So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Just like I thought I was fine with the vines. But this is a much more serious thing than a rash. So, <laughs> this is a message of love for us, though. A warning from our Father is loving. And... God's love for us is constant and unfailing, but our thoughts, words, and actions can either please or displease him. He'll never stop loving us, but he's not always going to be pleased with us and what 
what we do and think and say is not going to uh, promote God's purposes in our lives or in the kingdom. And I think that's what Warren was prophesying about earlier. That um, if we're not walking in the fullness of obedience to him, there are things that God wants to happen in the world that may not happen because we're distracted and gone off on the wrong track, led away by um, some kind of sin. You know, the Holy Spirit, so, so we need to fear the Lord. We also need to be aware of his presence. You know, there are times that if I'm alone, I might be tempted. And if I think, if I really believe that God is present with me, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Do I really believe he's present with me? Then I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to think about that, or I'm not going to look at that. Because if Jesus were standing here with me in my room or whatever, would we, would we look at that? Would we talk about that? Or would we do that? <laughs> that's, that's a good question to ask. But, but that's really it, right? Do I believe in his presence? Do I want his presence with me? Absolutely. Right? But I can't separate those times from his presence. And, and the Holy Spirit loves us. He's our best friend. But how many of you know he can be grieved? And, and the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to hear his voice. We don't want to quiet him down. A second thing that we can do is to realize that what you view and think about ultimately affects others around you. So first, think about the Lord. Secondly, think about other people. Okay? When I'm tempted, any kind of temptation, it's important to me to think about my wife, and even more important, think about my children. But even then, and then I think about my church. I think about you guys. I think about... Um, people who are lost around me. And I think, have I done, you know, I, I thought about this in China, you know, did I ever do anything to damage my own witness that would keep somebody out of the kingdom, that would influence one of my friends, that they might see something in me uh, that t turns them off to Christ. That's, that's an important thing. So, so you have to realize, we, I have to realize that what I even, even what I look at, what I think about, is going to affect everybody else, even though they're not inside my brain. Um, we are our brother's keepers. And each one of us was made with the nature of God and an authority that's going to influence nations and it's going to influence future generations. So you are not an island. You do not live just unto yourself. A third thing that I think is an important thing is to meditate on the word of God and truth. And with that, practice praise and thanksgiving to God. I'm going to go back to Psalm 119 that Daryl taught about earlier this month. It's, have you guys been meditating on that? It's a good one. This is the second part called Beth. 
How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your decrees. Why does he say that? I think a lot of times when we sin is because we've convinced ourselves to believe that God believes this way. God's word says this way. So if the Holy Spirit can teach me what he likes and what he dislikes, what pleases him and what doesn't, then I'll be walking in the truth. Because I think then I really, that's, that's grace working in my life. I don't want to displease him. But if the devil can get me to think, God thinks it's okay when it's not, that's when I get into tr- the most trouble. And so he says, teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You know, it's, it's in struggle against temptation, it's not just enough to say, don't think about this, don't do this, don't look at this. You've got to replace it with something, right? And so, you know, it's the word of God. It's the truth. It's whatever is lovely and good and admirable and pure. And to praise and worship God and to have a thankful heart and sit and thank God. And I'll tell you what, the devil is going to flee and those temptations are going to be dispersed. Right? And so that's a big thing. Um, I know uh, if you've had poison ivy, you know, to scratch the itch, it, it feels good, like kind of kind of feels good, but does it do anything to stop the itching? No, it agitates it, right? It gets worse and worse the more you scratch it. Scratch, itch, scratch, itch. And, um, you know, what, what really uh, helps is like, to, for me, I get an ice pack and I start, I put that on. And I, I look at that kind of like the word of God and thanking God and praising God. It's like applying something from the outside that's going to heal, that's going to bring peace, that's going to bring purity and righteousness to our thoughts. The fourth and final piece of advice I'd give you that we can do, develop relationships uh, with brothers or sisters with whom you can be honest and pray. God made us a body. God put us in a body for a purpose. And, um, you know, the... um, there are times when we need to confess our sins to each other or tell each other, I'm struggling, would you pray for me? You know, the, the Bible says in James chapter 5, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, if I'm struggling with sin, I had a... a some friends in China. Well, my wife is like that. There are times that I'm struggling. I will confess to my, to my wife because we have that kind of relationship. I know she's not going to berate me for it, but that she, she's going to pray for me and, 
because she loves me and she's demonstrated that and I hope you know you want sometimes that kind of relationship needs to be developed uh, there are times in China where I had um, other other missionary friends young guys who were like that and um, you know like I was struggling with uh, maybe I've said this before but in uh, in the springtime in China all the young women put on short clothes and I don't know we lived at, we were at a university with uh, mostly women because it was a teacher's college and so walking around in May and June and I was just struggling like keep your eyes on the road you know and so I I went to my friend and I knew I could trust him because he'd been open with me about his own struggles and and so I said you know I'm really struggling with this would you pray for me so that I can be healed in my thinking healed in my part of this propensity to think about that stuff you know to be distracted by it and 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 he did and I've had other friends that come to me the same way and ask me to pray for them and uh, that's what the Bible says that that's a way to be healed and um, I also remember I, I I really like Rich Mullins he used to be one of my favorite singers and uh, We've got a, a video of a, one of his la last concerts, and he tells a story about uh, he used to travel. He said he used to travel alone, and it wasn't good because he was tempted when he stayed in hotels to watch bad movies that were available that he shouldn't watch. And so he had, I guess he had a spiritual advisor who told him, you need to, your problem is not that you're so bad, but you shouldn't travel alone. You need to travel with somebody. And so he said... Uh, he's, he did that and he had a, part, a guy that performed with him, Beaker, and they, they did a concert in Amsterdam. And he said, everything's legal in Amsterdam. And he, he said, so he, he was there and, and they went to bed and he just, he said, I don't want to sin. I just wanted to go out and be tempted. He didn't want to go out and take a walk that night. So he's like, so I was waiting until uh, Beaker fell asleep. <laughs> Because I didn't want to sin, but I, sometimes it's just nice to be tempted, which is not good, right? And uh, he said, so I waited to hear Beaker start snoring. And Beaker never snored that night. <laughs> he said it was a long night and a long struggle for me. And, uh, but after it, he wrote this song. And the song was called Hold Me Jesus. I don't know if you remember that one. Um, you know, because really, ultimately, the power to resist temptation comes from Jesus, and it's his grace. But it helps to have brothers and sisters who are with us. Well, I, I don't want to end this message without saying, addressing one thing, and that is, what if, what if I have found myself caught in this trap? You know, we've been talking about ways to avoid temptation, to be vigilant and protect yourself. That's the, that's the best thing. But what if you're already stuck into it? Sin has a, you know, it's nice to say don't scratch the poison ivy, but you know what? <laughs> Once you start scratching it, you can't stop. And that's the thing about sin. Sometimes it's like, it's like a pit. And any sinful habit is like being stuck in the pit and you can't get out. You're trying, but 
you can't get out, what can you do? Well, the first thing I would say is that repentance is the way out. True repentance. That um, there is power in repentance. In 1 John 1, 9, Jesus, uh, John said, through Jesus, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is say if, if we confess our sins, but there's a big promise there, and that is not just that he'll forgive us, praise God, but that he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's not just like in his sight, spiritually, legally speaking. Purify means give you grace to change. And that's a promise you can hang your hat on. Uh, and then the, the passage I just read earlier. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So have somebody pray for you. Confess your sins to somebody. You know, make sure, let's commit ourselves to be somebody so that if somebody comes to us to confess their sins, we will receive them like Jesus would with forgiveness and that we will pray for them, that we will keep that in confidence, right? We'll be the kind of brothers and sisters we need to be. But there's a promise there is that we will be healed and that we will be cleansed from our unrighteousness. And a second piece of advice uh, and would, would be this. Remember who you really are. And that is, you are a child of God. You know, if you, if you have been, if you've repented of your sins and you've given your life to Christ, Jesus said you've been born again, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And uh, Paul writes in Romans 6, he, he talks about struggling with sin. He struggled with sin. Verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Je Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. You see, when you're baptized in water, you're baptized into his death. The sinful nature is dead with Christ at the cross. And that's a fact. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Hallelujah. In other words, our sinful nature is dead. It does not have power over us to force us to sin. Just like, I've used this before, sorry dog lovers, but if you have a dead dog, it's not going to obey your commands, right? In this case, our sinful nature is the dead dog and the devil can't command us to do anything because the real you and the real me, if we are in Christ, is the new you 
who loves God and loves his ways. So the only way we have to sin is if we're deceived by the devil and, reali- and think, that, think that we should, if we, if we buy into his lies. But there is no power there to force us to do that. Praise God. And that's who you are. And so any kind of sin that we might get stuck in, it's this. Repent and believe his promise. Receive his grace and remember who you are. Remember, you are forgiven. You are a new person. And yeah, there, there's going to be a struggle. Um, but you have the grace available to you to get out of it. And it's not, the power doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Amen? Let's look at it this way. Will he answer your prayers? Is this a good Is this a good thing? Is it the will of God? And so he will give you the power and the strength to do that. And probably you can't do it on your own. You need to enlist the help of brothers and sisters. But we have the victory. Amen? We are destined and enabled to live a life of purity. Like Warren prophesied this morning, we are the bride of Christ, pure and spotless. And that's who we are, and that's practically speaking in our lives what he's working us out to be. And the warning this morning is, is beware, be careful. There's a devil out there in the world, and a world, and your own flesh that, that would like to trip you up and keep you from everything God wants you to be. But, but we have God on our side, and he loves you. And... <laughs> He will do everything in his power short of forcing you to make your own, forcing you to do what he wants. He will do everything in his power to, to see us home in victory. Because you know what? He loves us and he wants his spotless bride. Every bit of it. Every, every one of us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you um, for your mercy on us. We thank you that Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sins. And there is no one righteous, no, not one. But in you we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this morning, each of us, I don't know where each one of us is at, but Lord, we come before you. We kneel before your cross. And we say, uh, Lord, forgive us for our sins. We confess our sins to you. And we believe, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins. We receive that now in the name of Jesus. And you purify us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, we ask that you give us strength to keep us pure. Holy Spirit, would you help us guard our hearts and our minds, guard our eyes and our ears, keep us in your ways, that we might, we know you love us, Lord, but we want to please you. We want to have close fellowship with you, and we want to accomplish all the purposes that you've given us to do here in this life. So, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. 
We offer our eyes to you, Lord. We offer our thoughts to you, our minds, our emotions. We offer those to you, Lord, and the parts of our body. Lord, we don't want to cut them off. We want them to be instruments of righteousness for you. But Lord, we cut off sin. We cut off temptation to sin. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Keep your word in our hearts. And Lord, give us brothers and sisters whom we can uh, help and who can help us. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.